0: It been real. Oh, yeah. but they all just whip, whip, no way Love this name for it, so sound was like <laughs> I was a DJ playing all the, sounds. Up, all the sound. Welcome back everybody to kicking with B I'm of course your host B Shay. Um I'm excited, you know. I always I feel like I say that every start to every episode, but I I am. I'm always excited to be back here, on a mic, talking about hip hop and the things I love about it, and topics like that. So, uh, a little backstory before we get into today's topic. Um, I, I I say topic because this one might be, it's more in depth for sure than the other ones I've I've covered so far. But so on, I record these on Friday. Um, I want to say Mon yeah, Monday night, right. We had a, a, flag football, flag football game. Um, I'm on the intramural team here at, at my school and you know, I'm, I, I'm old. So I got to get there early. Right. Like I'm, I might be only 20, but I, my body ain't 20. So I get there like a half hour early and I, uh, you know, jog out, get some sprints, uh, some static stretching. Things like that going just so I can you know feel good for the game. Um, but I always go over it with headphones on, right? Because I, you, you know, there's usually a game going on before, but I kind of like that time to kind of lock in, which sounds funny, you know, for a intramural football game. But you know, I'm, it's all it's all I got left for sports, right? It's all I got. So, um, I usually like to listen to some you know hype me up. Like that, so on Monday I couldn't really, couldn't really think of anything. I usually listen to, you know, like a uh, Mad Villainy. I don't know why, but that album's got some good songs on it that gets me hype. Usually, like uh, All Caps. Oh, that that one, it was good. Especially uh, last year in intramural basketball, that was one of my go-to's. All Caps, uh, Raid. Um, so those would get me going, but it, you know it wasn't really wasn't really feeling it especially because it was you know playoff game and i don't know i feel like i needed something more so um i decided to turn to a uh, public enemy um because you know on the, on the last episode i was talking about songs that would you know songs you need on a road trip and i and uh, i put bring the noise on there right I, I was just listening to it again and i was like you know this is really this is perfect for, like, a pregame, like, getting hype, right, getting ready to play a football game or, you know, even any any sport, anything, like even working out, like, Bring the Pain is, is perfect for that. But I was like, you know, let's, might as well just throw on the whole album as I'm warming up because I had time and I didn't really feel like, you know, looking at my phone as I'm getting ready and stuff. So I just threw on, takes a nation of millions to hold us back and what i realize is one i really really love that album i really love that album and it's there's a there's a whole lot of things that go into into that but um and i realize it, it's pretty repetitive but not in a bad way like i think like every song starts off in the same kind of manner where you get somebody just talking right it's nothing crazy it's just it's something then like a hard beat comes in and then it's like this super amped up beat and uh you know as i'm warming up this flag game i'm like this is perfect and uh it i mean (laughs) side note i mean it worked out right we won that won that monday playoff game uh Came back Wednesday, did the same exact thing, and we did the we did we did the same thing as a team. Another win. We'll be playing in the championship in the coming days. So, hopefully, by the time this comes out, we have won that. But you know that still has yet to happen. But as I was listening to this, I also realized how much like that '80s sound kind of like intrigued me right because that 80s rap sound it's distinct because it's not super in depth right there's not a whole lot of moving parts and things like that like if you look at you know even even in the early 90s with things like like Tribe Called Quest in 91 their sound is totally different than anything you'd expect in 89 with or even you know 88 with this album uh I mean, they're different kind of rappers, but you kinda get the idea. Like it's a lot as the years go on it became more in depth. Um, the lyrics became more interesting, but something about that eighties sound that, that really really was was getting to me and I've the past week really been going back and looking at some of my favorite like eighties rappers and things and you know, I'm I'm just in like an eighties fever, I guess. So when I was going through I was like, you know, this would be this would be fun to Talk about just do a whole segment on some of my favorite uh, songs, artists, like sounds from the 80s. So uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a longer intro, but I've I've gone really in depth. I'm gonna try and go really in depth on this. So I don't really have a whole lot planned other than just start ripping through my favorites of the 80s. Right. So my only criteria really for this was that the artists peak, at least in my opinion, had to have occurred in the 80s. So if you think of somebody like, I mean, even anybody in those late 80s, because they carried over into the 90s, but if you think of, like, just for example, like Run DMC. Run DMC's best stuff was in the 80s. Um, I mean, they had stuff in the 90s, most notably, Down With The King, that that is probably my favorite Run DMC song. But, all you know, all their good stuff all like their best stuff is in the uh is in the um 80s so i kind of looked at it like that and yeah i guess we can get right into it so i'm gonna start going way back right so formed in the bronx in the late 70s um one of the first multi-rapping crews is none other than grandmaster flash and the furious five um so it consisted of Flash himself, Cowboy, um, Melly Mel, how, how could I forget Melly Mel, Kid Creole, Mr. Ness, and Raheem, um, and I I mean I, you can't talk about Grandmaster Flash in the Furious Vibe without mentioning, of course, the message in 1982 song completely changed. Like oh, the the whole landscape of rap, because before this it had been a lot of like, you know, break beats and holding loops to get the b boys going and the party jumping. But this was one of those, I want to say, one of the first examples of you know the lyrics actually mattering in one of these songs. Like it wasn't just hyping themselves up; they were really talking about the issues in New York, right? And there's so many things that go into that song. Falling out poverty and all the issues that people of color faced and just pretty much what New York was like at the time. Um, The one that that always sticks out to me is a child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too because only God knows what you're going to do. Like that one, that one hits me. I don't know why. Like I'm not even religious, but it's, I guess, pretty much... I don't know who says the verse i i i, I feel like it's melly mel but i could be very wrong on that it's it's just like you know they from the minute you're born your life is set up to to be a failure just because of where you're born and how you look when you're born and i you know it, it it's there's a whole lot more i could go in on this song but absolutely crazy um and it's because it's of songs like this. Another one later, coming out a year later with White Lines, which is all about, you know, the crack crack epidemic and, you know, like not, pretty much saying not to do it, which, kind of a, a little side note, um, Cowboy ended up passing away due to a uh, crack cocaine addiction in 1989 at 28. So it's like, it, you know, it even... Even these issues went as far as getting the people in the group themselves. But um, So these songs like this really were like the first time, like they were the pioneers, I guess I would say, of of like the socially conscious protest rap, right? Like as time went on, there was more um, like somebody like Public Enemy with Chuck D and Flavor Flav even Boogie Down Productions, which came in the following years um, that provided social commentaries. Um, and I think what makes specifically Grandmaster Flash so fun was his, he, he was almost scientific the way that he would, he would mix a beat, right? Cause this is, this is, you know, turntables. There's nothing, nothing more you can do with this at the time. So what he would do is, I could be, I could be mistaken. I could be thinking of the wrong person. But, what he would do is, he would take, take a record, find the break beat on it, right? So the part of the song where it's just the drum beat, where that's where you really get people dancing, and he put a little crayon mark on it. And what he'd do is, spin the record, when it gets back to that crayon mark, come right back, right? Let it go again, get to that crayon mark, come right back. And you know what they would do is it would extend the break, uh, break, break beat, so you get people to have the chance to really, you know, bust a move and do their thing. Which, you know, he he was a scientific. He would look at the way that he knew why, you know, when people would really start to um, groove with the song, like not even rap wise, but like when like a disco song would come on, and he would know this is the part that makes them dance the most. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna keep it going just over and over and over again until the party don't stop. And it's crazy. I mean, his ability to blend different genres of music, from disco to funk to anything, he could he could mix up anything, um, was really way, way above his time. And I feel like one of my favorite examples of Grandmaster Flash in, like, in his scratching, you know, production mode is in The Adventures of Grandmaster Flash in 1981. Fun song, it's long, but it's, it's worth the listen. And it's just Grandmaster Flash going crazy, right? All these little, he's picking he's in all these little samples, these little bits, he's scratching, he's making these beats longer, he's doing this, he's doing that. There's, there's nothing like that that came out at the time. All right, and Grandmaster Flash really, like, perfected the ability... To create a loop and to keep it going and 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 get people to dance, right? There's there's a reason that this guy is on like s- most people's Mount Rushmore of hip hop, and at, at least in terms of you know some of the, like the founders is because his ability to rock a party like that was flash, and there's there's not many that 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 could do what he do it it could do what he did at the time, and that's why he's one of the greatest of all time. So. Next up, kind of taking a pivot in in terms of like, you know, Grandmaster Flash was really you know like social con conscious and all this like the political rap whatever. Uh, we get to the the hip hop trio from Brooklyn coming out in the early '80s. Um, they were pr- pretty well known for uh, their self deprecation, and they're uh, they're kind of like funny songs, and that is, of course, The Fat Boys, made up of Prince Marky D, Cool Rock Ski, and Buff Love, or Human Beatbox, I prefer to call him Human Beatbox, that's what he, you know, that's a, when I when I think of him, I think of the Human Beatbox, um, so widely known for having beatboxing in their music, but also being goofy, being fun, um, but uh, uh, Human Beatbox also I believe is one of the first beatboxers in rap, which opened the door for people like Bismarcky and Dougie fresh, you know, down the line. Um, but I think the, the best way to explain fat boys is really just by listening to them. And that is on their album called fat boys in 84, bunch of funny songs on this bunch of songs that, you know, give you a giggle. Um, and you know, Fat Boys. I mean, their lyrics aren't super deep. It's them pretty much just making fun of how overweight they are, how hungry they are, things like that. Um, but they're they're goofy. Like right? the, the the beats aren't again not crazy deep. They're kind of just basic, like the the classic heavy drums. But really, really funny to listen to. And uh, on that album, some of my favorites are you know Jailhouse Rap, Stick 'em, you know, stick 'em. Love, I love that. Uh, Can you feel it? Of course, the song "Fat Boys," uh, the place to be, and then I uh, my favorite song on the album "Human Beatbox," which is, you know, it, it's, yeah, oh, man, "Human Beatbox." The the artist is a character. When he gets on with that, <gasps> like that heavy breathing, it's if like if if you just want to laugh, uh, put on "Fat Boys." Because that's it's it always gets me a good giggle, um, but I mean, and it's not like they're bad, right? Don't get me wrong; they they're not bad. It's just it's it's like a more funny, not not really what you're expecting, I should say. Um, and a, a, another side note: they're one of the first artists to get a full length album uh, for the time. Uh, you know they're in the same as, as again Run DMC that same time uh, Curtis Blow, um, Curtis Blow had a couple albums but again one of the first ones to get a full album and then uh, Houdini and and Houdini to me is one of the most I don't know if I can say underrated rap groups but one of the most forgotten for sure because they almost didn't sound like rappers. So they, they, they formed in 82. They're another Brooklyn-based group, uh, another trio. They had uh, Jaleel Hutchins, XSC, and then their turntable guy, DJ Koo Carter, also known as Grandmaster D. And they had their album, also came out in 1984, uh, Escape. And this album had, to me, three incredible songs, three songs that, that don't really get enough respect nowadays um the first being freaks don't come out at night the the second which you know i i really do think deserves more talk today i feel like no i feel like nobody ever really talks about houdini uh which you know interests me because they're one of those early pioneers um but they were they were funky right they weren't they kind of were different from the New York uh, sound at the time. And I think, you know, the best example of that is in the song five minutes of funk, which is funky beat, but they're still rapping over it. Pretty good. Um, And then the the third song on this album that gets, it's sampled a lot. So people probably know the beat is friends. Um, There was a Nas song. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it also samples a song. Um, Doom samples it in Deep Five Friends on the Food album. So it's been sampled, but if you go back to this one, it's just, it's a good song, right? Like Houdini was, was just, they were good. It just don't really get really talked about at all. um, Especially in the era they were in, like they were superstars and they just, kind of kind of were forgotten so uh next up this is kind of a like a year later at least when 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 this song is is dropped and it's really the first gangster rap song ever released right it's comes out of philly and it is schooly d with the song psk what does it mean um it, it, it released in 85. It was on the schooly D records album. It was a label, right? His own label. Um, and PSK was an abbreviation for parkside killers, which was a street gang that schooly D was in. And it, this song is incredibly influential because it's, it's considered the first gangster rap, like hardcore rap song. Um, it features everything, you know, drug references, gunplay, gang stuff. Um, sex like it's it was really one of the first of its time and it's such a an interesting song um like the 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 drum beats in it like there's a, a crazy amount of reverb for the for the 80s and it's funny to like it's funny to hear this song and know kind of what came out of it that like this was this was the first um, like, without Schooly D, I don't know if we ever get, you know, the NWAs or the Ice T's or any, the EZ's, like, anything, who knows what happens with gangster Rap if it isn't for Schooly D, and I feel like that's something that not a lot of people know. Like, a lot of people probably know NWA, they probably know the Ice T's, but how many people know Schooly D? My guess is not as many, you know, like, not, not that many people, um... Doing they should, and if 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 you're a fan of of gangster rap, I I highly suggest listening to PSK. What does it mean? It's you know not the sound you're expecting, but again it's '85. Most of like Ice T's and NWA, NWA was '89, '88, '86 came out after this, but it's different. And you know that kind of points me in the direction of Ice T, which is another one of my one of my favorites from the '80s. Um, which, Ice I could, ar- I could also see the argument for '90s. I, I could, but some of my favorite Ice T stuff comes comes out in the '80s, and so Ice T was born. Was actually born in Jersey, but he he moved to L.A. when he was in eighth grade, um, and he became a Crip, and so while he was a Crip, he would do what he would call Crip rhymes, right, or like. You go go do party rhymes like they weren't anything he was gonna record um, until he heard PSK and he realized that you know he he could actually make a record out of this and of course he makes that classic song Six in the Morning, which I I love that song but it's also if you if you hear the first lines to both songs, Ice T will admit it he he's doing the same exact thing. So the PSK starts off with PSK we're making that green people always say what the hell does that mean. You get to Ice T at six in the morning. Police at my door. Fresh Adidas, Creek across the bathroom floor. It's the same exact thing. It's just Ice T putting his own spin on it from the West Coast vibe, right? You know, Schooly D's Philly. He's got his thing. Uh, he's a Parkside killer. You got Ice T now saying it from the West Side view as as a crit. Um, and yeah, I mean, without without PSK, there's no Ice tea, right? just straight up or at least there's no not the Ice-T we know today Um, another song I I would like to mention it but it it came out in 1990 so you can call me a hypocrite for this one but it's You Played Yourself I I love that song Um, I guess I could also mention uh, is it New Jack Hustler Nino's theme whatever that I mean that's like 95 which is way outside of this sound but another really good Ice-T song just you know Ice-T He's fun to listen to he's he's gritty he cares a lot about what he says and he's he doesn't mince his words so always a always a good listen so and uh earlier when I was talking about Grandmaster Flash I mentioned boogie down productions as you know they kind of came out of the disciple of having lyrics that mattered and I really enjoy boogie down Productions, especially especially their first album first two albums i should say criminal minded in 87 by all means Met necessary in 88 um so they were composed of of course krs1 one of the greatest of all time which another fun little fun fact for those of you don't know krs1 stands for knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everybody that's Always, always, always a fun fact, go to fun fact for me. So, a lot of people don't know that it actually stands for something. Um, and then in the original group was, was D Nice, who had those dope COVID parties, whatever whatever those, not parties, you know what I mean? Like the online parties. Shout out D Nice. And um, DJ Scott LaRock who was only part of the group. For the first album, because he was, you know, unfortunately murdered in 87, just a couple months after Criminal Minded was released. Um, so the name comes from, it was a nickname for the South Bronx section, which is where they were from. And, I mean, if if you didn't know that, they have a song on Criminal Minded South Bronx. but They really talk about, you know, that's a diss track at MC Shan and the Juice Crew. Who was kinda claiming claiming their side of the bridge, but so in, in, on on the album Criminal Minded there's a couple really good songs on it that I like. Obviously just mentioned South Bronx. Um, Nine Millimeter Goes Bang, Criminal Minded itself is uh, is a really good song. And you know, probably their most famous song, The Bridge Is Over, another diss. Um, which I mentioned in one of my best diss tracks of all time. And the thing with Boogie Down Productions is, you know, obviously their lyrics meant something, right? They weren't just saying random stuff. They were, they 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 were coming out with like KRS One is a really, really good MC. He, he's. It's, I wouldn't say he like, he like yell raps, but he put, has some energy in what he's saying. Um, a good example of that is. Uh, Oh my goodness! It's it's came out in like 1990. Uh, Love's gonna get you, right? Love's gonna get you. That's good story, good good storytelling, good beat, but also, you know, the lyrics kind of goes to the storytelling. They hit hard because it's you know the story of this guy become, you know, he starts selling drugs and starts making some money, getting off the streets, and then next thing you know, he's in a gun gunfight with the police, and like his brother dies, and it's it's crazy, but yeah, booking out so great. And I, the second album, which more songs that I I really like. Um, I'm still number one. Fun, you know, one of those classic early '80s, uh, just hyping themselves up, like you know, I'm I'm the guy, I'm the one. Um, stop the violence again talking about problems that are occurring uh being that that conscious rap jimmy another one comes off a little funny right but it's all about the aids epidemic and uh, you know how people got to use condoms and then my favorite song on this album my philosophy i love that song um I love the, in about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I don't know, it, little elements like that always get me. Um, kind of like those meta moments. I'm a huge fan of meta moments in songs. Uh, foreshadowing you know, to another episode coming up. But uh, Booking Night Productions really perfected that, and then KRS one you know, he wasn't done in the 80s. The group kind of was, and that's some of that has to do with Scott LaRock, but even in the '90s, when Karis One was coming out with his own stuff, that, that dude is easily one of the greatest to ever do it. Easily, I mean, in terms of his lyrics, he's he's got an interesting voice. He's he's just funny. and I I think I I'm, I might get this story a little wrong, but the reason that krs One was, you know just so ruthless so energetic so like you know wanted it was because he he grew up I want to say without his parents present right he was in like a um he was in a home and it was his only way out right the only way that he'd get off the streets get out of everything that was happening in New York at the time was to just you know be a rapper and he just wanted it so much more and it shows. Right? He, he he talked about like, you know, the hunger, like you know, if he loses his cipher, he ain't gonna eat tonight. So he needs to win, right? And that, that that passion really, really comes out in his music. Um even like, you know, later on when he's making money, it's still you know, he's he's one of those guys that never forgot where he came from and just used that energy and that passion throughout his whole career and it's why he's one of the best to ever do it kind of going back to that gangster rap now um you know I already alluded to him was, was Eazy-E in NWA um so Eazy-E co-founded Ruthless Records and then started the group NWA with other rappers Ice Cube Dre um was it uh, Ren Yella and uh, Arabian Prince? But in the beginning, it was just Easy, right? Easy had "Boys in the Hood" in '87, classic song, not to be confused with the movie. Great movie, by the way. Um, and then his second album, "Easy Does It," crazy album, super fun. Dre produces most of these beats, so you know they're good. And Easy's just He it, it was kinda like funny, but not trying to be kind of thing. Like Easy does it. He it, um he's kind of smooth with doing his thing, but you get the song like Nobody Move. That whole second or third verse with the bank teller. I'm not gonna go into it, but if you know the song, you know. Like that to me is always just like what. Um, we want easy is a fun one, right? Because it's kind of it's almost one of those meta songs, where it it, it kind of acts like it's a live recording, it's not. And um, another song I love on that is Easier Said Than Done. Just, you know, solid solid album for sure. But uh, you know, it helps when you got somebody like Dre producing with uh, producing the beats for you. Uh, and then, obviously, later in '88, early '89, somewhere in that time frame is when N.W.A. drops their first album, Straight Outta Compton, one of the most influential albums for gangster rap ever. Right? It was. They really popularized the uh, gangster rap genre. Um, and they're widely considered the, probably the best to ever do it. Um, and on that first album, I mean, I love, I used to listen to that that whole album all the time. I have it on vinyl. I still listen to it, you know, from time to time. And the songs on it, they're all just, like, Ice Cube probably wrote most of the lyrics and it shows and Dre produced most of the beats, and it shows, right? Those two together could really make a song that makes you hate white people. (laughs) Because, you know, you get songs straight out of Compton, you get F the Police, you get Gangsta Gangsta, you get If It Ain't Rough, you get Dope Man, right? These are all songs of pretty much true stories of of their lives and the things that they have to deal with. Uh But I think the song that sticks me the most interesting on this album is if it ain't rough right because not if it ain't rough excuse me um express yourself because express yourself is i don't know if it's all dre rapping but it's predominantly dre and there's there's no swearing on this song right it's their one like trying to make it for radio record, because none of the other songs were gonna get played. They were just too much foul language to be played on on radio. But express yourself doesn't at all, and on an album like this, where every other song, they were like breaking records for the amount of swears on them. It it's different, and it's 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 almost like a refreshing mix. You know, like, I don't really care about cussing and, and things like that. I mean, I I do every day. I just, not on this podcast. <laughs> but, I don't know, it's, one of the, it's just, like, it's nice to just bop along, too. Like, the lyrics are, are fun to sing, and they got some meaning to them, right? Like, obviously, the song is about, you know, you still got to be yourself, which I don't even know if. If Dre's being himself on this song, specifically the uh, I don't smoke cess lyric, which I don't believe. (laughs) There's no way that Dre was not smoking weed at at this time. And if he wasn't he then uh, if he wasn't, then he definitely was with his next two albums, because uh, the chronic. And, you know, the 2001 album, which just had a leaf on it, like. Come on, Dre. Come on, big guy. (laughs) Uh, but yeah also coming out in, in this 88 realm which as I was going through doing the research for this episode I realized a lot a lot of good albums came out in 1988 I don't know what it was about 88 I don't know if it was just because you know the genre was expanding and it was becoming really east coast west coast like everybody was doing it and if there was just more happening or what but 1988 was an insane year for rap records insane for the hip-hop genre and the song the, the, the album that comes to mind is when i was already talking about earlier with it takes a nation a million to hold us back which had such songs as bring the noise which i was already talking about but you know don't believe the hype Cold Lampin' with Flava, which is is always interesting to get just a Flava Flave song, just him singing. Night of the Living Bass Heads, Black Steel, Now Our Chaos, Rebel Without a Pause. I mean, all these songs may sound somewhat similar, but they're incredible. Um, you know, you get the juxtaposition of Chuck D and Flava Flave, the the beats of... Almost all of them have a, a tough, like a, a, a gritty drum beat some kind of it's. It, I almost think they're trying to make like a siren noise. Um, it's like really prevalent in cold lamping with flavor, and I don't know if that's on purpose. I feel like it is because there's no way that these guys don't do everything without something in mind, right? Um, and in the beginning, most of them would have you know a politician like a Malcolm X or something going, or even just them talking about something, and then um, like a slow fade in, and then bang it starts going um, always always fun to listen to um, but you know originally formed in 1982 in, uh, in Long Island uh, it was made up of Chuck D Flava Flav and uh, I think they were called the Bomb Squad right I think it was Public Enemy and the Bomb Squad with uh, Hank Lee and Bill Stephanie um, and that was actually on their college radio at uh, Delphi University and uh, that's you know, that's in, in Long Island. Um and then uh Chuck D was signed to Def jam, right? Rick Rubin loved his voice. It's hard not to like Chuck D's voice, that that low, really gritty, like you know, he he, he could command attention just by talking. That's just how his voice is. Um you know, and then mix that with Flavor Flav, who's not really the complete opposite but you know more high pitched voice and those two together were wild um and you know their music was all this radical black political ideology um and they did it in an unprecedented fashion and it's just incredible record and their second one Fear of a Black Planet is just as good um i just didn't want to mention it cuz it's 1990 but yeah, that, that's when it came out. But I guess if you know, if I mention Ice T, I can mention Public Enemies. I just won't go in depth on that one. But very, very good record. It. Um, I don't know. Maybe it will help you get, get some, uh, get some wins, right? Help me get. I mentioned it one uh, one of the prior episodes to help me get a softball. Men's Softball League Championship, and uh, hopefully it can get me to a intramural flag football championship. <laughs> Next up is one of the most hmm, provocative. I, I don't know if provocative is the right word, but uh, definitely I, I think the best way to explain this group is they were so – vulgar that they were the first group not in just rap first I think musicians to ever have an album release with the parental advisory sticker right so if you know the parental advisory sticker it's that that black and white thing on the bottom says parental advisory it's usually on like the bottom right of, of a record I, you know I guess for people who don't own physical music anymore it's, it's different, but I guess if if it has like that E on streaming services very explicit, it's just, I think it's the same thing. So, but this is the first group to ever have have that come out, and it's it's two live crew. Uh, they were a group from Miami, started out as just a Miami based group. Um, it's composed of of Uncle Luke, Fresh Kid Ice, Mr. Mix, and Brother Marquise. Um, stupid, controversial. Because they had over the top graphic lyrics. Like, just to a point where it was almost like it seemed like they were trying to get in trouble for what they were doing. Um, and it eventually worked, right? Because there was a point in time where uh, owners of record stores were, were being arrested for selling this music because there was a ban on it, which ended up being a whole civil case with. Two live crew, and it was a uh, freedom of speech case, is is what it boiled down to, and they they won it because it's freedom of speech, could say what you want. It's just the the you know thing that they had to give up was they just had to have the parental advisory sticker, uh, which they you know, being the funny guys they are, the album that it was released on was called Banned in the USA. And if you want to hear just a hilarious song, please listen to Bandy in the USA. But I do I do like Me Some 2 Live Crew. I don't know if I can really listen to that many songs back-to-back. But um, on their first... I think it's their first album, if not. It's one, one of their earliest is Move Something in 88 with Do-Wa-Diddy. Wild song, right? Um, and then their second album, which had two versions as clean as they want to be don't listen to that as nasty as they want to be listen to that uh, 89 I don't know if I mentioned that but another thing with, with Uncle Luke and 2 Live Crew is their choice of album cover um, uh, I challenge you to find one that doesn't have scantily like if it, I challenge you to find one that has fully dressed women on it and I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. Next up, probably the smoothest smoothest lyric deliver of all time. Um, if not, if you want to give that that to Biggie, um, absolutely no disrespect to that. But to me, I think the person who lays lyrics down the smoothest is Big Daddy Kane. He's another guy from Brooklyn, but it sounded like he had that deep voice, but it wasn't gritty like Chuck D, right? It's just smooth. And he he could flow bar to bar, seemingly, where you almost forget where you started from. You just know that you were bobbing your head the whole time, right? Um, and in his first album, Long Live the Cane, I mean classic classic album with such thing it raw set it off i'll take you there and of course ain't no half-stepping like those songs alone are enough to cement you as one of the best in the 80s in my opinion by far but then he comes back a year later in 89 you know ginger won for 89 <laughs> um with young gifted in black Warm It Up, Kane, and Smooth Operator. Three more songs that just cement Big Daddy Kane. Not only as the best of the 80s, but one of the best of all time, in my opinion. I mean, there wasn't much... You know, there's There hasn't really been anything like Kane since. You could argue Big A had the same somewhat rhyme style, but he wasn't the same kind of guy as Kane. Um, you know, it's just definitely one, one of a kind definitely one of a kind and he had good beats that always helps but his, his his lyrics go a long way his voice goes a long way Big Daddy Kane is one of the greatest of all time to me. but I don't know if he's greater than these guys I, I don't think he is um, he, he's definitely up there but I think the best to come out of the 80s will be the last on this list. They are a duo from Long Island, formed in 86. They had... Th- this, see, this one was a tough one for me. They were going to stay in the 80s sound, but they had two albums come out in the 90s that were almost as good as these as these two, but... No, I couldn't couldn't get past these. And it's it's Eric B and Rock him. All I really need to say is is from 87 to 88, those two albums, Paid in Full, which is arguably one of the best records of all time. And then Follow the Leader in 88. Those two alone are, are two classic albums but then of course you get Don't Sweat the Technique in 92 um I'm missing one in between I, I can't remember I'll tell you, it had Mahogany on it um I don't remember but Paid in Full I mean you got songs it, obviously you get Paid in Full the song but then you get I Ain't No Joke My Melody I Know You Got Soul Move the Crowd Eric B As President I mean it like come on in terms of, of every song I've named on this list, I would say Paid in Full tops all of them. I Ain't No Joke could top most. Eric Bia's President could get up there. My Melody could get up there. Like, this is an album full of bangers. Full of bangers. But then in, in, in 88, I mean, this isn't... Isn't no joke of an album either, no pun intended, with Follow the Leader, Microphone Fiend, and the R. I love the R, by the way. The R is my favorite on this album. Yeah, It, it is. And it's. I think it's because of the bass line. It's. That, that always gets me going. It, it always gets me going. But. So. That's going to round out that. I mean, there's so many. So many people I didn't I didn't mention didn't get to that, you know, definitely deserve a little something like you know Run DMC. You Cannot mention the eighties without mentioning Run DMC. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of them, but they're so influential. You got uh, I mean Curtis Blow talked about him briefly earlier. Um, Roxanne Shantae, MC Light, uh, UTFO. Right, like these are just random ones coming to the top. Kumo D, oh my goodness, I don't know how I actually didn't mention Kumo D. Cool J, I mean, there's so there's a, there's a lot of '80s that I didn't get to, so maybe I'll maybe I'll make a part two, but probably not if I'm being honest, because I feel like I covered most of what I wanted to here. But yeah, so that's I I told you this was gonna be a long a long you know deep dive into the segment and i mean that's you know what i hope i set out that's what i set out for it's what i hope i got out of everyone uh you know i hope if you're listening to this you got something out of this and hopefully some songs and artists that were new to you that you know you'd like to listen to but that's really all i've got for today um Kind of a more laid-back episode, right? A little more informational, but still fun. And, yeah, so I'm currently recording this on October 27th. So if this comes out before Halloween, I hope everyone has a happy Halloween. Um, be safe. Do your thing. But, you know, wherever you're headed, wherever you're going, hope you have a, a good day, a good night. And uh, that's all from me. Peace. Okay, okay. There comes a time. Yeah.